Hey, we're in 2 Timothy chapter 3 today. If you have your Bible, for those of you in our video teaching service today, good morning. Thank you for being with us. For those of you watching at home because it's raining, um, thanks for tuning in online. And today's the day we kind of celebrate some heroes at our church because we can't do church in the rain without some people who are willing to sacrifice. So for those who are outside in the rain this morning, setting up flags, setting up cones, holding umbrellas as you walked in, would you put your hands together for our guest services team and say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm sure the same thing happened in our video teaching service because it's going to rain all day today. Grab your Bible study materials out of your bulletin if you haven't already. We're digging into week four of a series at our church that we've been calling Foundations. We are trying to learn together why we can trust the Bible. We're asking the questions that hopefully our friends who aren't Christians are asking us about the Bible. Why do you believe what you believe? How do you know for sure that it's true? Why are you willing to trust that it is true? This is a series that, is, that, that we're trying to use to equip Christians, if you're a Christian, to answer the questions that one day your own heart is going to have. Um, if the devil is real and if he still whispers into our ears like he whispered into the ears of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, every now and then you're going to think, is this really true? Can I really trust it? Did God really say that? That, that like, that's Satan's big question to us. He doesn't just give us a lie. He gives us a question. Did God really say that? This series is to help us understand, yes, God said this, and here's why I believe that, and here's why I'm willing to follow it. If you're here and you're not a Christian, I don't know that this series is a convincing series to take you from where you are to becoming a follower of Jesus, but I think it'll move you in that direction. If your heart is open and if your mind is open, you're always willing to sit in our church and learn things spiritually to ask questions, but I think this series will, will make you go to second level questions. If you're really kind of searching for faith and you just need some good answers, we've had three conversations so far. The first three questions of this series were this, can we, or what is the purpose of the Bible? How do we know that it really came from God? And can we trust it? What's the purpose of the Bible? How can we know that it really came from God? And is the one we have today, is it the exact same one that God gave or has it changed so much that, that maybe it's full of suggestions and not commands? We started this series with kind of this, this big key thought, this question, if there really is a God, if there really is a God, and he really created the heavens and the earth and people so that he could live in relationship with them. Don't we think he would tell them rather than just leave them in darkness? If there really is a God who really created people so he could really have a relationship with them, don't we think he would tell them? And if the answer to that question is yes, then we would ask how would he tell them and how would the people know for sure that it was him? As we've asked those questions, we've kind of had these conversations the first three weeks. We've talked about general revelation. We've said, if there is a God who's created the heavens and the earth and people to live in relationship with them, he would prove throughout the universe that there's something bigger than humanity that exists. He would get the attention of people by saying, clearly something in the universe that's bigger than you exists. Go seek it out. We talked about special revelation. After there's a general revelation where God says, hey, I, I want to get your attention, special revelation kind of gives us information on who God is. We know there's a God but who is he? Why did he create all this? What does he want with me? We, we, we learn and receive who he is. And we believe special revelation has come through the Bible. This book that we're studying, a special collection of 66 books that give us strong reasons to choose to believe the Bible came from God. Can we prove it beyond a shadow of a doubt? No. The Bible says you have to have faith, but it's not blind faith. 
There are some incredible reasons to believe that the big picture of the Bible certainly is a divine book. And then the last time we met on this topic, we talked about the information inside the Bible we believe is historically accurate. We believe it's credible. We believe it's reliable. We believe this is what was written. This is what Jesus taught. This is what the Apostle Paul taught. This is what God gave to the people. We have two more conversations in this series. The one that we're going to have today is this. Is the Bible written to us for today Or was it just written to people thousands of years ago for them? We've been phrasing it this way. Is the Bible for us now, or was it for them then, or is it it for both? And then next week, we're going to have this conversation. If the Bible is for us, does it still have authority for us today? Are we we still supposed to do everything that it says we're supposed to do? Today, we ask this question. Is the Bible written to us for now, or was it written to them now? For then, I've got two goals in today's message as we walk through conversation number four. Goal number one, I want to help you understand how the biblical doctrines of what we call inspiration and illumination allow God to speak directly to you from the Bible. Is the Bible written to us for now? I'm going to say yes, but I'm going to teach you about kind of theology 101, how the doctrines of inspiration and illumination make this book a book that can speak to you today. Make it a book that is for you today, not just written to people thousands of years ago. And then number two, once I convince you to think that way, I want to try to inspire you to see what God is saying to you every day for the rest of your life. You might circle the word inspire and draw an arrow up to the word inspiration, circle the word see and draw an arrow up to the word illumination. What we're trying to do today is take theology and put it in practical terms. Oh, I get it. This is how I'm supposed to feel about it. This is, this is what I'm supposed to see in it. Those are my goals today so that when you look at the Bible, you're not just looking at what God has said in the past to someone else, but every time you look at the Bible, you, you see it as something God is saying to you on that particular day and time. Before we dig into scripture, we always pray. We ask God to open our hearts so that we can kind of see the truth, hear the truth that he's speaking to us. So here and in our video teaching service, if you just bow your heads today, I'd love for you to just take a deep breath right now. Try to let go of last week. Try to ignore next week. And in this moment, just this moment right here, I want you to open your heart and your mind to God. I want to inspire you today to believe that you can see and hear from God every day. But you have to open your heart to that. Would you pray and ask God from your heart to heaven that he would help you to see the value of the Bible for your life today and help you to trust that it came from him to you. God, that's our prayer. Inspire us, show us what we need to see so we might be able to hear from you every day for the rest of our life. We love you. We see things in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. amen. Second Timothy chapter three, the apostle Paul is writing to Timothy. If you want to flip over to second Timothy chapter one, right above the, temp- this is right above the title of the book, you might write last letter. Paul wrote almost a dozen letters in the new Testament. This was his last one. This was his last will and testament. He's getting ready to die. He's in prison in Rome. He's going to be killed by an emperor named Nero. He died probably the same year as the apostle Peter for the exact same crime against Rome that he believed Jesus was God and preached that Jesus was God and followed Jesus over Caesar. And he writes to a young man named Timothy who he met when he was planning a church in Timothy's hometown who became a spiritual son to him who he kind of discipled, who he raised up in ministry, and who he taught to help lead the churches that he had started. He writes his last ever letter to Timothy, basically saying, listen, it's it's time for me to go. Here's some things you need to understand. And Paul leaves us with the thought that Peter left us with, that listen, scripture is really, really important. Look what he says in 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 through 17. 
He said, but as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you've known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every work. Today's conversation is this. Is the Bible written to us for today, or was the Bible written to others thousands of years ago, or is in some supernatural way, is it both? We have two key thoughts today. The key thought number one that we've been saying for three weeks, the Bible is from God. I mean, is the, is the Bible written to us for now, or was it written to them for then? The first thing we, understand, we have to understand is the Bible is from God. I don't know if you realize this, but both the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul's last message to the world was, was this message, the Bible is from God. In 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter said, I'm getting ready to die. Here's the one thing you need to know I'm willing to die for, the fact that the Bible is from God. Paul says the exact same thing in 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm getting ready to die. One thing I want you to know I'm willing to die for is that the Bible is from God. Both of, bo- both of these apostles, Peter and Paul, uh, basically said the title of our Bible study today. When it comes to the word of God, I bet my life on it. I am betting my life that it's from God to us. I'm betting my life on it. I'm going to die for it, but I'm, I'm going to go down swinging. I bet my life that the Bible is the word of God. In 2 Timothy 3.16, the the apostle Paul says this, all scripture, in the New King James Version, it says is given by inspiration of God. In the NIV, it says all all scripture is God-breathed. But I want you to write down this word inspiration because this is the doctrine that we're gonna study today. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. This word inspiration in the Greek language is the word theonoustos, theonoustos, The word theos in the Greek language is God, theology. Think about it that way. The word noustos, we get pneumatology from. That is spirit, God's spirit. So Paul is saying all scripture has come from God's spirit. It literally means, as translated in the NIV, NIV, God breathed it out. Every word of the Bible is something that God breathed out. A little bit of theology for today. If you were sitting in a Theology 101 class, it might sound like this, the doctrine of inspiration. The doctrine of inspiration is defined this way. Here's what the doctrine of inspiration does. It's the guidance or the influence of the Holy Spirit on the human writers of Scripture so that God controlled them. He breathed into them what he he wanted written down in such a way that what they wrote was exactly what God wanted them to write. Is this really God's words or or did some guys who had kind of a a good week at youth camp just make some stuff up spiritually? Is it, really what, is it really what God said, or is this just some thoughts of some really spiritual people who, who are having a really, good week, a really good week? The doctrine of inspiration says God controlled the people who wrote, so they wrote exactly what he wanted to. They were writing what he was speaking because he was breathing out scripture. There are four areas that we believe in this process that were inspired. Number one, we see inspired guidance of the authors by the Holy Spirit. The Bible explicitly said people didn't write their own stuff. God told them what to write. There was guidance in what they were writing, these nearly 40 authors of Scripture. 2 Peter 1.21 says this, prophets. Peter said, here's how it worked when people wrote Scripture. Prophets, though human, they spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Prophets, though they were human, had God kind of pick them up and carry them and what they needed to know and what they needed to write down for other people. 
the writers of scripture in the doctrine of inspiration were moved by God in the direction of God's destination. God said, here's where I want you to go for the purpose of God's plan. Anytime the authors of scripture were writing, God was moving them in the direction of where he wanted the world to get for the purposes that he had for the world. And what are the purposes of God? We say them almost every week at our church that people would know God that they would be transformed by God, that they would find their purpose, who God created them to be, and then they would go do it. That's what we believe the the purpose is and the destination of the Christian life is that you know God, be transformed, that you would find your purpose and ultimately go live it, make a difference. From Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter two, the first two people we see, to the apostle John on the island of Patmos in Revelation chapter 21, and everyone in between, God had the same purpose for every human being that's ever lived, that they might know him, that they might be transformed, that their brokenness would be healed, that they might find their purpose and go live the life God created them to live. You say, how does this area work? It's like a sailboat. You say, how could men write, but God tell them what to write? It's like a a sailor in a lake on the sailboat. Men kind of raised the sail. They got up the paper. They got out the pen. But a sailboat without wind isn't going anywhere. So God moved in the riders to say, let's move in this direction because this is where we're headed and here's why we're headed there. That is the doctrine of inspiration when it comes to God guiding the riders. They set the sails and God said, here's where we're going. Number two, we see the inspired personalities of the authors. This is where we say, well, did God just tell people what to write or did he let them write what they wanted to write? A little bit of both through the power of the Holy Spirit. God chose particular writers to carry a specific message from their unique point of view so that we could see a complete picture of who God is and was and is going to be in the world. This is probably best seen, most easily seen in the story of Jesus And in the story of his church and how that church spread. Because when we look at the story of Jesus and his church, we see unique authors that build a complete picture of who Jesus is that that we would miss if we only had one. Four people wrote stories of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But because they all had a unique perspective, they all tell us a little bit different picture. They give us a little bit different picture of his story. And together, we see all of it. Matthew was a Jewish tax collector. He presented Jesus as the king of the Jew because he was kind of a big government thinker. He wanted to work for the government that was in charge. That's why he chose Rome. But his unique perspective allowed him to see through the Old Testament scriptures, hey, Jesus is, he is the Old Testament king of the Jews. So he wrote the story of Jesus through his perspective. God chose Mark because Mark presented Jesus as a servant. We see over and over again in the, in the book of Mark the word immediately. Immediately, Jesus was going to help somebody. Immediately, Jesus was going to serve someone. Immediately, Jesus was going to touch someone. God chose Mark because Mark's eyes were open to how much of a servant Jesus was. And he gives us a picture of a Jesus who, if we're like him, we should be a servant. Luke was a Gentile doctor. He presents Jesus as human. Who better than a doctor to say, yeah, he was a real life human being. I know what real life human human beings look like. Uh, Luke presented Jesus as human. He presented him as tired. He presented him as hungry. He presented him as hurting from time to time. Luke in his story shows us a Jesus that is fully human. And then John, the last apostle to write, presents Jesus as divine. He, He introduces him as the word who existed before the beginning of time, who became flesh and came and lived among. Those four men had a unique perspective that they saw on Jesus, and God used their eyesight, God used their heart, God used their passions to breathe into them the words that they would write. How about Peter and Paul, two different apostles that helped launch the church? Peter was the apostle to the Jews. God said, I'll use him in his shape to write some books that will not only reach the Jewish world, but will teach Christians how to interact 
with the Jewish faith. Paul, who was trained as a Roman citizen, was the apostle to the Gentiles. Paul could go into any kind of Gentile city and as a Roman citizen get up and talk. God used these different men shaped in different ways to tell their story. He said, you know what? The thing you're passionate about, I'm passionate about. So he allowed the writers to keep their personalities, but he breathed into them the words of life. He, he didn't simply choose secretaries to record scripture. God didn't say, write this down. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you've seen. I don't care what you feel. Just write this down. They did not go into a trance and forget who they were, what they'd seen, what they were passionate about. He didn't just choose secretaries to write it all down, but he incorporated the personalities and passions of the authors who wrote. And listen, ultimately your passions, your personality that God has put into you, just like the writers of scripture are for, are for his purpose. God shaped you the way you're shaped for his purpose. God put the passions in your heart that he put in you for his purpose. God gave you the things you're good at so that you could turn around and use those for him. Just like the writers of scripture, God said, I see who you are, what you do, and how I can use that. God's looking at you saying, I see who you are. I see what you're passionate about. I see what you're good at, and I can use that. If you will surrender your hands like the authors of scripture did, you will continue to write the story of Jesus with your life. We see number three, not just inspired um, guidance. We see not just inspired personality, but we see inspired words of the text. And this is important. This is important in Christianity in the year 2019 when we say, is it just kind of the big ideas of scripture? Can we just pick two or, two or three things, faith, love, and hope, leave the rest? No, the words, the very words of scripture were chosen by God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. Really interesting thought on the words of scripture being inspired. What we've received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. How'd he give them? In words. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. So as we go and look at the Bible study, as we go try to figure out who Jesus is, what you need to understand is every word of scripture. Here's what Christians believe. Every word of scripture in the original autograph, in the original language, meaning the very first copy that was written under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, every one of those has been chosen by God. The, 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 and, the, a, every word of scripture was chosen by God, though some might have a deeper influence in our lives than others. You see all those numbers in the Old Testament that don't mean anything to me? Yep, God chose them. Just like he chose the great verses of New Testament scripture that talk about Jesus leaving you with peace, Jesus giving you hope, Jesus giving you life. There are more than 25,000 New Testament documents that exist, and they all copy the same word over and over and over again. Because you would ask, well, how do we know the words that have been translated into our language are the same words they've been written? The textual evidence from the manuscript tells us that these, these words were copied one at a time through scripture. So we believe the words were inspired, but here's the deal. Uh, inspired guidance isn't the point. Inspired personality isn't the point. Inspired words isn't the point. The point is number four. It's the inspired message. See, it's not just the process that's important. It's not just the writers who are important, and it's not just the words that are important. It's the message. Because when the process is inspired and the writers are inspired and every word is inspired, it leaves us with a message that is life-changing because the doctrine of inspiration ultimately claims that every word in the Bible, every word in the Bible was strategically placed there by God. Why? To reveal himself and his plan for us and his plan for the world to us. See, the doctrine of inspiration ultimately says that God guided people who had specific personalities 
to write specific words for one reason. So he could say, here's who I am. Here's my plan for your life. Here's my plan for the world. Get busy. It was all to breathe life in you. Theonustos, God breathed. Listen, when God breathes, things come to life. Amen? When God breathes, things come to life. Remember Adam in the Garden of Eden? He was just a lump of clay until God breathed the breath of life into him. And when God breathed the breath of life into him, Adam came to life. And when Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit on the disciples, their ministry came to life. And when God in Acts 2 and Pentecost breathed the Holy Spirit in the church, the church came to life. And when God breathes into you, you come to life. You say, how does God breathe into me? This is God's breath into your life. Theonustos. All scripture is God breathed. So suck it in. It would be weird, but like take it in, right? All scripture. So what's on the pages of your Bible? Nothing, I promise you. I just suck it in scripture. You say, I want God's breath in me. How do I get it? Right here. All scripture is God's breath into your life so that you might come to life. God breathes scripture into the world so that we might come to life. Key thought number one. Is the Bible written for us? It sure is. It's written for you today. Because God breathed it out for his followers. Key thought number one, the Bible is from God. Key thought number two, the, uh, the Bible is to us. Key thought number one, the Bible is from God. Key thought number two, the Bible is to us. We believe it was not just written to them for then. We believe it is written to us for now. Every word of it. You know, I, I start our message for the last year or so. I start our message the exact same way. I ask you to bow your head and take a deep breath. I had a dinner this week with some people at our church who helped me start our church. Every year on the anniversary of our church, we get the, the core 15 people who still live in town. I think there was 12 of us this week together and just say, it, like, it's still going. It's just unbelievable what God has done. And we were just talking about our church and what's going on. And someone made the comment at the, at the dinner. They said, my favorite part of your sermon every week is, is when you tell us to, to just take a deep breath. And I said, I must stink as a preacher that your favorite part of every sermon is when I tell you to take a deep breath. She's like, no, because we do that in, 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 in the holy yoga class that I'm a part of. And it just kind of helps set, like, just, just really settle me down. And I'm like, was it like, is it a boot? Like is a deep breath a Buddhist thing? So I'm not trying to do a Buddhist thing. And someone else spoke up and said, no, a deep breath is not a Buddhist thing. They actually train Navy, Navy SEALs to take a deep breath. If you will take a deep breath and count for four, and then you will let it out and count for four. It literally will kind of like rewire your brain. And I said, hang on. I don't do that because I want our church to be Buddhist Navy SEALs. Like what I, what I am trying to do, when I'm, when I'm asking people to take a deep breath and just let go of yesterday and don't worry about tomorrow, what I'm trying to do is prepare them for the doctrine of illumination. I'm trying to prepare them to hear from God because I, I believe he's still speaking but sometimes our other radios are turned up a little too loud. Not trying to create Buddhist Navy SEALs. We're trying to create people who can hear from Jesus. What is the doctrine of illumination? A little bit of theology 101. You have to understand this to hear from God every day for the rest of your life. The work, the doctrine of, the, of illumination is the work of the Holy Spirit in helping the Christian understand and apply the spiritual meaning of the scriptures. The doctrine of illumination happens... When the Holy Spirit helps you understand and apply the spiritual meaning of the scriptures. It's not your mind. It's not your knowledge. It's not how smart you are. If the, Holy, if, if the scriptures ever speak to your heart, it's because the Holy Spirit has done that. 
Here's what you need to understand as Christians. The, holy, the words of scripture are just words on a page until they become a message to your heart. And you say, what, what turns this from words on a page to a message to my heart? The Holy Spirit, the doctrine of illumination. Listen to how 1 Corinthians 2.14, Paul, Paul tells people, the scriptures without the spirit don't do anything. Let me say it again. The scriptures without the spirit don't do anything. Paul says the person without the spirit doesn't accept the things that have come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. Paul says the scriptures without the spirit don't mean to people what they mean to us, but the scriptures with the spirit become the breath of God in our life. Listen, for those of you who are trying to reach some friends, for those of you who really want to have influence on people who don't know Jesus yet, let me give you a little evangelism outreach tip. When somebody's not a Christian, start with Jesus. Not your favorite Bible verse, not your favorite biblical command. When someone's not a Christian, start with Jesus because the scriptures don't mean anything to people who don't have the spirit. And no one on the first date says, I'd like to go out with you, but here are all the rules once we finally fall in love. And what churches try to do a lot of time is we give the rules before the relationship. And we said, now that you understand the rules, do you want to be in the relationship? Instead of letting someone fall in love with the heart of Jesus and be willing to make any change that they have to make to, to follow someone, to live in relationship with someone who loves them deeply. This doctrine of illumination means a lot to us, but it means a lot to the world. We have to start with Jesus. We have to invite people into a relationship with Jesus before we begin to give them all the outline of what that might look like. Let me, let me put it this way. Ten years ago this fall, I was in Seoul, South Korea. It's where God would speak to my heart through the process of illumination, and I feel like to tell me to start this church. But I was in a hotel where if you didn't have your key, you could not get in the elevator. Some of you have traveled in, in hotels like that. You just can't get up and down without your key. And I left my room. Uh, my door shut behind me. I realized I didn't have my key. I couldn't get back into my room, and I couldn't get down to the lobby to go. So I had to just go stand by the elevator and wait for someone to open the elevator and hope they would give me a ride. Now, in, in Korea, most people don't speak English. Not a lot of English-speaking people. And every time I go to a foreign country, I try to learn one or two words in, in the culture just so like, I can smile and kind of say, hey, you're, you're important to me by the way I talk. So after five minutes, a guy finally comes up, um, and he's got his card, and he swipes it on the elevator. And I kind of said, um, hey, I, like, I'm going to get on with you. And he looked at me, and I could tell he didn't understand me, so I did what Americans do. I, I spoke uh, slower, and I spoke louder, but I said, it's like, I'm going to get on with you. And he's just looking at me like, I don't know. Um, so, you know, the elevator opens, and he scoots in, and I jump in right behind him. And I could tell it kind of offended him. Um, so, like, I, I knew two Korean words at the time, like, thank you, and have a good day. So, you know, the door shut, um, and I said, you know, which is thank you. And he kind of looked at me and grunted, and I thought, well, that must be what they do when they're impressed by an American who's like learned one of their words. And he pressed his button. And as soon as he pressed his, I jumped in and pressed like ground floor. I could tell he didn't like it. And I thought, that's okay. Um, then we got to the floor where he was supposed to get off and he walks off the elevator. Didn't even give a glance back at me. So I thought I was, you know, I would say, have a, you know, have a nice day and wave. So I was like, Anyan Haseo. And he walked away. And as the door's shutting, he turned around and said, Japanese. Um, and I thought, of course you are. Sayonara. Like it's like, like, he doesn't understand anything I'm saying. I don't understand anything he's saying. It's like, of course you are. Trying to give someone who's not a Christian all the regulations of scripture are like an American speaking bad Korean to someone who's Japanese. <laughs> give them Jesus. Give them Jesus. Give them Jesus. 
However, once they become a Christian, once somebody becomes a Christian, pray for illumination. If they're not a Christian, give them Jesus. Give them Jesus, give them Jesus. But once they become a Christian, pray for illumination. You say, what does that prayer look like? Ephesians chapter one, verses 17 and 18 says it this way. Here's how you pray for illumination. Paul said, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Watch the second part of this prayer. I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Paul said, my prayer for you is that God would open your eyes to what the Holy Spirit is saying in your life. The doctrine of illumination works like this. When you're reading a page of scripture and one of the verses that you're reading seems to like raise up off the page, like, a, like God with a flashlight has, has shined a flashlight on one verse and said, that, that one's for you. That's the doctrine of illumination. When you're reading over a page of scripture and you stop because one of them seems to be for you. They're all on the page, but one of them in that moment seems to be for you. That is the doctrine of illumination. That is God speaking and you need to quiet your heart and realize you're now in a conversation. You know, we, we do the Activate podcast every week. I know probably many of you have listened to the Activate podcast. If you've listened to the Activate podcast, one of the things that Pastor Brandon will do from time to time, I'll give a good answer. And as I, get, as I give that, I'll get to the end of the answer. And Pastor Brandon, for those of you who listen to the podcast, he'll say, that's, that's good, that's good, that's good. Illumination is your inner Pastor Brandon. Anytime you're doing your devotions, you're reading the Bible, and you read a verse and you think, that's good. That's like, that's not you saying that. Because the scriptures without the spirit, they don't say anything. So when you're reading over a page of scripture and you think, that's good, stop. Because you have entered a conversation with God. When your inner pastor Brandon begins to speak, you are having a conversation with the God of the universe in real time. Is the Bible for us now or just for them then? It's for us now every day if you will open it and open your heart and begin to read it. You say, why is this so important? Four reasons I'll close today with from 2 Timothy chapter 3. We'll go fast. Why is it important? Number one, because the purpose of this series is not to teach you how to win an argument. It's to teach you how to walk with God. And you can't have a relationship with someone that you never talk to. You certainly can't have a relationship with someone you will never listen to. I told you the first week, this series is not to help you win your arguments with friends who don't believe. This series is to help you walk with God. You have to learn to talk and listen to do that. Number two, why is this important? Because the Bible has incredible ability to help every human being who's ever read it to do the four things that it was created for. Letter A, to know God. Did you see what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.15? He said, look at what the scriptures did for you, Timothy, from childhood. From childhood, you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. Timothy, the scriptures are important because they teach you how to know God. Letter B, Timothy, the scriptures are important because they help you know how to be transformed. Why is this important? Why is it important to read the Bible and to have the Holy Spirit speak to our heart? Because that's how we're transformed. Remember what Paul told Timothy as he continued in verses 16 and 17? All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's breathed out and it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete. Timothy, you're incomplete without Jesus. But with Jesus and what he's taught you through the scripture, you can become whole. You can be transformed. Why is all this important? Letter C, because the scriptures are where we find our purpose. 
The scriptures are where we find our purpose. It's how we know God. It's how we are transformed. But it's where we find our purpose. Look at what Paul said to Timothy again. Three little verses that we read today that are so powerful. Paul said, Timothy, if you'll learn the scriptures, you'll know God. You'll be transformed. You'll be complete. And then you'll be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You'll be ready for what God created you to do. You'll know him. You'll go from incomplete and broken to complete and fulfilled to whole. And then as soon as you have done that, you will be ready for what God has created you for. And then letter D, you'll go make a difference. Letter D, you'll go make a difference. For those of you here, for those of you in our video teaching service, for those of you at home today in the rain, you'll go make a difference. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5, 14. He said, you're the light of the world. Go show them who Jesus is. You are the light of the world. Go show them who Jesus is. Why is this series important? Number three, because knowing why the Bible exists, because God wanted our attention and our affection, because knowing where it came from, it's divine, it's from heaven, knowing how it was recorded and that it's reliable, knowing how it works in our lives, all these are essential to becoming more like Jesus. And that's the point of everything. Our world needs Jesus. And Jesus says, if you learn the scriptures... They'll learn about me. All of it starts with two foundations. That every Christian believes the Bible is from God and that every Christian believes the Bible is to us. Let me ask you a question. Let's, let's just get practical for a minute. If you walked out of this service today and you had four text messages waiting on your phone, the little number four, how long would you wait to read them? Tomorrow morning? Next week? Next month? Be honest. If a text pops up on your phone, would you ever just consider checking text messages one day a week? Only on Sunday am I going to open up and see what somebody has to say. This Bible is filled with hundreds of thousands of text messages from God. They're on your phone. They're waiting. But you got to open it up and read them to live in relationship with him. Because if you will do that, you will know God. The scriptures can make you wise for salvation. You will be transformed. You can go from incomplete to complete. You can find your purpose because once you get complete, you're going to figure out what God has created for you to do. And then you're going to go make a difference and show the world Jesus. Are you ready to open it and get into it? Hopefully you're equipped to know why you should believe it, maybe even answer some questions. That means nothing if you don't dig into this love letter from God every day, these text messages from God and say, what do you got for me today? And when you read over the one and your spirit thinks, that's good, you stop and say, wait a minute, that's God. That's good, that's God. In this moment, I'm not having a conversation with God. All right, God, why is this verse good? What am I supposed to learn from it? What am I supposed to do? You could have a conversation with God every day because the Bible is written to you for now, every word of it. Would you pray with me this morning here and in our video teaching service? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. God, we are willing to choose to believe that the Bible is from you. That it is filled with the words that you breathed out. And God, we know that when you breathe into things, they come to life. So help us to commit to reading and studying and learning your word. So that as it gets into our heart, we come to life. We know you. We move from incomplete and broken to complete. We find our purpose. We make a difference. God, help us to know you, to be transformed by you. Help us through your word to find the purpose you've created us for and help us to make a difference with our lives. God, thank you that the Bible is for us, 
for today, every word of it. Give us the commitment, the sacrifice, the discipline to open it every day this next week. And Lord, when we hear the Spirit speak and we think in our spirit, that's good, let us stop because that's God and let us have a conversation with heaven. We love you. We need you. Help us as we commit to your word so that we might know your son. We love you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen.